just real quick, um, you don't have to you don't have to hear from me today, so I guess that's a good thing. But uh, I just kind of want to share as Joe Joe comes up here is just the fact that um, like you couldn't ask for a better friend than what I have in Joe. Um, you know, he's one of my best my best friends, and when I started doing this, um, they said you need to find you a guy who will stick by your side and. Joe has kind of been that, and I'll, I'll never forget driving from Clinton back to the, back to here, and in Joe's truck, and me going, um, Joe. So Joe, what do you think about all this? And him going, Well, I don't see any other option than me start this in Granger County. So I'm pretty excited about see what happens there in the future. But um, I won't get out of the way, and I'm just gonna let Joe do his thing. All right, everybody, welcome Joe. Hey everyone, thanks for having me. Is uh, I'm glad to hear that little intro from Derek I had to watch some tears there <clears throat> but yeah I'm Joe um, Derek's brother from another mother and we're in this series called cow tipping and uh, first when I think of cow tipping let me show you what I think about <laughs> Shh, she's sleeping what you do is you put your shoulder into her and you push and they fall over <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't strike you as kind of dumb we're family. We're going to be doing lots of dumb stuff together. Wait till Christmas. <laughs> you keep your feet shoulder width apart. Stay between the udder and the hock. It's a 32 belly option on two on two. Ready? I don't know, that's just where my mind went, so maybe we're on the same page now. <clears throat> but uh, seriously, though, through this series, we want to take a few ideas that the church has long placed too much significance on that you don't exactly find in the Bible. And last week's Derek's message, in the middle, it had to happen. And we learned that during storms of our lives, it's not about the reason, but about the revelation. And I thought that was pretty powerful. We have a choice. When everything's going to hell or all hell is breaking loose, we can either focus on the why and stay in the misery, or we can trust in God's promise and continue on the mission. And so today we're moving on to the next installment in our series, and um, the name of it um, is going to be Out on a Limb. And if you ask me, we're probably going to be tipping over a pretty big heifer this morning. <laughs> now, I know a lot of you all are probably social media junkies, whether it's Facegram, Instabook, Snappy Chatty, or Twitter, or Tweeter. There's just a lot of people that spend way too much time in other people's business. And I'm sure at some point on all this scrolling that we do, that we're wearing our thumbs out, you might have come across this meme right here. Now, if I came across that, I'd be like, yeah, right. I'm not, I'm not going to share that, just because you asked me to. And I'm sure some of you guys have come across the same one. It's kind of, you just roll your eyes and go on. And then you keep scrolling and keep scrolling, all of a sudden you're worried that something like this is going to pop up. Dear Jesus, forgive me for not hitting like on my friends. Hit like if you love Jesus post. I really do like you. <laughs> but seriously, then you scroll a little bit farther and all of a sudden you kind of get scared because you see this one. Well, time to see who all shared that one post so I know who to bless. 
And, you know, we can understand that these are slightly insignificant examples, depending on how deep you are into social media. It might be really significant. But it's how we place importance on what we can do to change what God will think. And so it boils down to the sacred cow that we're going to want to tip over today. And I'm sure that some of you guys have heard this. Maybe some of you guys have actually said this. I'm not sure. But God helps those who help themselves. I don't know. It's, it's something I've heard before. I don't know if I've actually said it, but I've, some of the people that I've come across have actually thought it. So let me give this idea. <clears throat> Let's come across and think about our jobs. How many of you guys in here would say that you're good at your jobs? Raise your hand. Okay, some guys and girls need to change their profession. <laughs> it doesn't look like too many hands was raised. But if you think about it, what if you woke up, now I'm, I'm not trying to be sacrilegious or a heretic or anything, but what if you woke up, you didn't pray, you didn't read your Bible, you went to your job, you did the work that you thought you were good at, and you came home, made dinner, get the kids ready for bed, whatever, get them in baths, dogs in baths, who knows, depending on how crazy your animals are. But you could say, I did all day without Jesus, that I didn't really think about him. I just didn't really come across it. And you could still say that I'd be good at my job. Now, that kind of sounds bad, and we're in church, and we don't really want to say, yeah, probably. But the way things are these days, in the 21st century, postmodern, whatever you want to say, Jesus isn't relevant anymore in some aspects. So to come across this saying, God helps those who help themselves, really, they're just saying, I can do it on my own. So let's dive into some scriptures here and see what we can do about this heifer. In Psalms 51.5, it says, For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. And the idea with this is, way back before you even thought about being thought about, when you were conceived in your mother's womb, we are in rebellion. Totally. Just straight from out, out of the get-go, right out of the gate, however you want to say it. Moving on in Ephesians 2.4, it says, But God is rich is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Listen, when you were conceived in your mother's womb, and straight out when you're growing up, the fact is we are dead in our sins. We didn't have any hope. We couldn't do anything on our own. And I kind of want to come back to this idea, and to something that I think is on our best day, we can't help ourselves. We don't have anything going for us. When we were conceived, we were in rebellion, and in our daily lives, we are dead in our sins. Without Christ, we couldn't do anything. So let's jump on to the main scripture in Luke 19. We're going to go 1 through 10, and we're going to do a little, just a little overview of a kind of something that happened to a guy way back when. In Luke 19.1, it says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. Let's just stop right there. I love going scripture by scripture, verse by verse, because there's so much that goes on into each one of them. But if you think about it, Jesus is passing through. He made his way through the town. And I wonder today, in Shift Church, how many of us know that Jesus is passing through? How many of us know that the Father 
is coming beside us. And he's on a mission. And I wonder if we're going to be on that mission with him. In verse 2, there was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. Now, we don't exactly know why he had become very rich. He had a darn good job, so that probably helped. But some people suggest that he may have been cheating or stealing or some, some things like that. But either way we go about it, we know that he was a chief tax collector. And we also know that he wasn't a disciple. He wasn't an apostle. Jesus didn't call him. Uh, he didn't appoint him or anything like that. This was a regular dude with a, a little bit higher than regular job. So it, it kind of comes down to the word of the fact that we can, we can relate a little bit more at this. And in that time, just to put a little extra on it, tax collectors were not very well liked. I don't know if anybody in here deals with the IRS, but you kind of get this little cringe in your stomach every time tax season comes around. Verse 3, he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. Right here, what we're seeing is that he wanted to see Jesus. Whatever was going on in his life, he had a good way to go. He was very wealthy. He wanted to see Jesus. And that just kind of puts a thought in my mind that people are seeking, you know, people that you see every day where you uh, live, work, and play, they're seeking. And it's not always easy because in the middle of our lives, like we mentioned a few weeks ago, it's in decay, you know, um, things don't go well. Um, when things are decaying, they stink. And to be, let's be honest, life stinks sometimes. It really does. Uh, but whatever was going on in Zacchaeus' life, he was actually seeking Jesus. And Jesus was passing through. It's pretty amazing. Whatever, um, he was too short to see over the crowd. And that part of the scripture kind of just jumps out at me that he, was, he had a crowd in front of him. He wanted to see Jesus. He was seeking. What is your reason for seeking Jesus today? What is our reason, uh, or the people that we see, what is their reason for seeking Jesus um, but whatever it is, there's, there's usually a crowd in front of us. And you can have physical limitations, like Zacchaeus here. He was a short man. Um, some of us, you know, we have debilitating uh, diseases. Some of us may be short. Ask Derek about that. But um, people lose limbs, you know. It actually could be a physical thing. Uh, you could be sick. You could have a mental disease, anxiety, stress, depression, Whatever that may be, but I believe in all of us, on top of physical limitations or aside from physical limitations, we have spiritual limitations, whether that be pride or lust, greed, lack of forgiveness. Dealing with people every day, we have a spiritual limitation. That could be our crowd keeping us from seeing Jesus. Our friends, whatever that may be. We don't know everything that our friends and our coworkers deal with every day. But they do have spiritual limitations as well. So verse 4. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. All right, so let me uh, show you this picture here. This is going to be something like what the sycamore tree would have looked like around that era. Just to give you an idea. And you can see where a short man might be able to. Derek, you think you could jump up and get that first limb? Maybe? Okay. But anyway, whatever the thing was, this sycamore tree had enough girth, had enough maturity to it, to where it would actually hold a man. And we don't know how short he was. He may have been taller than Derek. We're not sure. 
But at that time, whatever it was, he was shorter than all the others. You know, that I'm not going to speculate how big that is or how little that is. But he was able to climb this uh, fig tree. And I started thinking about my childhood. And I loved to climb trees when I was younger. Some of you may too, uh, when you were younger, may like to climb trees. But I remember in one of the houses that we lived in, the backyard had several trees that I really enjoyed. And one of them was a, um, was a walnut tree. And the walnut tree kind of reminded me of this one. You could, uh, you could get a hold of the limbs pretty good. Once you got up there, you kind of lay back and relax because you knew that limb was pretty big enough to hold you. And uh, there was a lot of different places I could get up in there and kind of wiggle, wiggle in and, and just relax, lay out on it, and I'd just be like a little hammock, but it didn't have a hammock. But anyway, one thing also I remember about that, uh, that walnut tree was those walnuts. And I loved trying to break them open just to see if I could get one open and try to eat it. But I tell you what, one thing I did learn really quick was it took forever to get that green stuff off your hands. I mean, that stuff stuck around forever. It was worse than like paint that you could get at the store or something. But another tree I liked to climb was a pine tree, and it was pretty tall. And so I would climb that thing. The, the limbs, you could get a hold of them pretty easily, but it seems like a bunch of them would break off because it wasn't very sturdy. And you could make your way up through there, and you'd get towards the top, and uh, you could kind of get up pretty high. I felt like I was about seven stories high, but now I know I was probably like one, maybe two. But it seemed like I was way up on top of the world. But climbing up through there, the one thing about the pine tree was the sap. The sap would get on your hands and then the bark would get on the sap and by the time you got to the top you looked like Marv on Home Alone and you did a five finger discount except you were just collecting sap instead of coins. You know so that was one thing about the pine tree. Now the other tree that I remember was a cedar tree and on cedar tree you could get a hold of it pretty easily. The, the limbs were pretty sturdy and you could climb up pretty high. Towards the top it got a little flimsy and that wind would start blowing and you'd, I'd get a little scared but I felt like the tree was big enough to hold me up. I was just about Derek's height then. And so while I was going through that, though, it was like a freaking maze because there were so many limbs together that you had to duck under one and then duck around the other one and then reach around the back. But either way, all three of those trees, once I would get towards the top or I would climb up as high as I felt like I wanted to go, the one thing I remember was I had a different perspective on everything that I seen. You know, down there on the ground, I seen it from one way, and then when I got up towards the top, I seen it from another. But there was always that little bit of risk, either sap, green stuff all over your hands, or just worrying about, am I going to fit through those limbs? And what, what we see here is that Zacchaeus, not only did he run ahead of the crowd, you know, thinking I could just get in front of him, maybe Jesus walked through, kind of like the lady with the blood disease, and she just grabbed the garment, but he actually climbed the tree. He went up out on a limb to see Jesus and he needed to change his perspective and sometimes I wonder today Justin if we need to change our perspective to see Jesus better what is it in our lives that we're worried about Zacchaeus he risked his name he and his ridicule to see Jesus um, he's a chief tax collector I mean I don't know how exactly to compare it to today but most likely whoever it would be today would be wearing a suit tie such as that and he ran up and climbed out on a limb ahead of all the crowd. And this fig tree, to be able to hold him up, it had to have, like we said, it had to have a bit of maturity to it. 
Fig trees, sycamore fig trees, they do grow pretty rapidly, but there still had to be a seed planted. And that, fig, that sycamore fig had to grow a certain amount of height and maturity for a short man to be able to climb it and get out on a limb. And something I want to point out today that we see in this scripture here is that the provisions are in place. What is it, what is your crowd today? Listening online here with us today, what is our crowd? What are our, what are our co-workers' crowds? Something that we may be able to see, something that God has revealed to us that is going on in their lives. Either way we go, the provisions are in place. God has provided that sig, a fickamore, fickamore sig, that's great, sycamore fig tree. He's provided it already, and he is passing this way. So what will you do to experience Jesus? That day, Zacchaeus was willing to risk it all, literally, in his community. Verse 5, when Jesus came by, I want you guys to say this third word with me. He looked up. Let's try that one more time because actually nobody said anything. Let's say, say this third word with me. He looked up. That's great. That sounded great. He looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. There's so much going on in this verse. This verse is like this long, but like you could write two books off of it. So when Jesus came by, he looked up. That's awesome. At Zacchaeus. Now, who seen who that day? Was Zacchaeus seeing Jesus come by? Did he know what Jesus looked like? Had he been on InstaFace Insta actually checking out Jesus' comments and stuff? Jesus seen Zacchaeus. And he looked up and he found him in the tree. And he called him by name. Now, when, when Jesus looked up in the tree and he called Zacchaeus by name, do you think he knew what kind of position he was in? Do you think he knew his current employment? Do you think he knew his reputation? Now, us knowing today that Jesus knows everything, back then Zacchaeus had no idea. But today, Jesus sees us in our current employment, our current situation. He sees us in your position. He sees us in our reputation, our friend's reputation. You go to work, and you go to the break room, and all of a sudden everybody's talking about that one person that everybody knows what kind of person they are on the weekends, you know? Jesus knows those reputations as well. But he called him by name. Jesus sees your position, and he knows our name. Hallelujah. Now, there's a lot in a name. There can be. At, sometimes I don't want people to know my name. But my first name is Anthony. And when somebody calls me Anthony, I know they mean business. Okay? Either the bank, uh, I don't know, uh, credit cards, something I do at the shop. When they say, uh, hello, Anthony, how can I, you know, whatever, I know that they mean business. Now, I go by Joe, my middle name, and there's a lot of people who call me Joe. Uh, where I work, they say, hey, Joe, how you doing? Well, you know, see you again, Joe, whatever. So I know that they're friendly. They, they know who I am. They know a little bit about me, maybe. But when somebody says, comes in the room and they're like, Jose! Now, that's when I know it's time to party. I'm ready for the sombrero, bring out some chips and salsa, and, we're, and we can do Jose, okay? So there's a lot of things that can go along with a name, but either way we go, Jesus knows our name. And 
boiling it down a little bit farther, Jesus knows our pain, our confusion. He knows the struggles we have every day. We know the friend, he knows the friends that we have a hard time dealing with, the family members we have a hard time dealing with. We, we know um, Jesus knows more about us than we can really probably would want him to. Skipping on to verse 6. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. Man, that's just amazing. Jesus called him by name, and, and quickly he came down. And with great excitement and joy, he brought Jesus to his home. I wonder today how many of us are welcoming Jesus in our home with excitement and joy. Now, there's many ways to be happy. There's a lot of things you can do to have fun. But let me tell you something. Jesus is how you get excitement and joy. When he is in your home, when he is in your spiritual home, that's where the excitement and joy comes from. And that day, in the blink of an eye, by, just the, name, by the calling of Zacchaeus' name, he experienced that excitement and joy. Verse 7, but the people were displeased. Hello, church people. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sin, uh, sinner, they grumbled. Sadly, I'm sure that some of us have actually been these grumbling people. But they knew Zacchaeus and his reputation another way. They knew him as a notorious sinner. Now, I'm sure we all know a few people that we would say, yeah, they're notorious sinners. But the fact is, we're notorious sinners as well. And Jesus came to bring excitement and joy to our homes and love us where we are and call us by name. What do we expect Jesus to do? We expect him to go straight to the churches, sit on the, on the pews, walk around on the pulpit. I mean, the fact is we need to pe- uh, meet people where they are. We need to reside where people are hurting, where they're struggling, where they're dealing with suicides, where they're dealing with depression, loss of loved ones, people lose children. It's a bad thing. Drugs. It takes over our lives. And Jesus came, and he's seen Zacchaeus, a chief tax collector, the ones that the people called a notorious sinner. We're all notorious sinners in Jesus' eyes, in God's eyes, until Jesus laid down his life. And we need that in our lives. We also need to share that with the people that are around us, that we live, work, and play with. How many of them do you know need Jesus? Verse 8, Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, let's just stop right there. Zacchaeus stood. Previous verse, all the people were grumbling. How many times do we go and step out for Jesus or we want to share something with a friend or we want to bring hope to somebody who we know is hurting and the people are grumbling around us saying, why are you dealing with that notorious sinner? But Zacchaeus stood and that's what we need to do today. Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, And if I had cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Like I said earlier, we don't exactly know how he became very wealthy. Some people will assume that he did steal some money, but it doesn't say that exactly. However, what we do know is Zacchaeus had met Jesus that day. And right away, he became a generous person with a generous heart. He was going to give half of his wealth away right out of the gun. And he said, if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. It was only required if you were caught cheating or stealing that you gave back 20%. But he went double that. He said, I'm going to give four times that much. 
stand your ground and pursue the Father. The Father loves us. And in this, in this situation here where Zacchaeus says, I'm going to give back, I'm going to give half of my money away, half of my wealth, and four times if I've cheated anybody, we see that he, ha- he loves us and he has a plan, but we have a part. You know, meeting people every day, the people that we live, work, and play with, we can walk by and say, yeah, Jesus will take care of them. They, they're definitely a notorious sinner. But he might just be bringing that person our way because we have a part to play in their lives as well. Verse 9, Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. Now this right here is where it gets pretty exciting. This is pretty amazing right here. Salvation has come to this house today. How many of us in here want salvation to come to our house? How many of us know someone that we think, we know, need salvation in their house with great excitement and great joy. When Jesus passes by, that's how we gain salvation for our homes. And what, what they're talking about here, this isn't really a genealogy thing where he says he's a true son of Abraham. What he's talking about here is the connection to Abraham is about the radical faith to follow Jesus no matter what. Zacchaeus was going to be ridiculed. Climbing the tree was the first part. He shouldn't have done that. But anyway, he had to because he was seeking Jesus. But the next part is he took him to his house. And everybody knew him as a chief tax collector. But he didn't care. He invited Jesus into his home with great excitement and great joy. And I wonder how many of us are going to invite Jesus into our homes with great excitement and great joy. It's not easy. Life is in decay. Things stink. Sometimes people stink. They need to take baths. But seriously... We, have a, we all have problems or know people who have problems or know people that are struggling. Today, is, uh, in, in their time and, and day, uh, mental illness is one of the top problems of our society. And people struggle with it all the time. I mentioned it, depression, anxiety, anger. It's not easy stuff to deal with, but you can still have great excitement and great joy. And salvation can come to our homes through Jesus. Now, I want to take a break for a second from the chapter of Luke, and I want to bounce down, bounce back, excuse me, to Luke 18, 31. Now, I just wonder if you guys can grasp this real quick. It's going to kind of make a circle that just is pretty amazing. This whole time, Jesus was passing this way, and he was seeing Zacchaeus. But let's look at Luke 18, 31. Taking the 12 disciples aside, Jesus said, listen, say this word with me, we're going up to Jerusalem, okay, where all the predictions of the prophets concerning the Son of Man will come true. He was getting ready to die, but he had one last journey that he needed to make. Now, let's look at this, let's look at this map right here, this biblical map we have, and I want to show you where Jerusalem is right here. Now, at this time, Jesus was somewhere around Bethany, maybe a little bit towards Bethlehem but that's where he was at in Luke 18 verse 31 and he took the disciples aside and he said listen we got to go up to Jerusalem well Luke chapter 19 verse 1 it said he was passing through Jericho Jericho's up there and I don't know about you but if you ask me it, it might be a little easier to go right there 
But you can kind of see this topical area of the map. There's, there's a little bit of rugged terrain. There might be some mountains and such. But either way you look at it, Jesus went up to Jerusalem through Jericho because he knew that there was a sycamore tree up there that he needed to look up in. Okay? He had a plan for a man who could not save himself. Today, Jesus has a plan for us because we can't save ourselves, Courtney. The Father is seeking you no matter how far off the straight path we went. He said, he told his disciples, we're going up to Jerusalem. We're going to go through Jericho. He'll chase you to Jericho and even going through Jerusalem. He knows the pain you're in. He knows the confusion you're having. He knows your friends are hurting. He knows your family's hurting. But he's, he's going to travel all the way through Jericho when he's going to Jerusalem to get to you. Let's bounce back to verse 10. I'm going to wrap it up a little bit here. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. We are in rebellion. We are dead in our sins. Jesus sees our position. And he came to seek and to save those who are lost. This should be our, our mission. To go lodge with the outcast and look up in the trees for those who are hurting, those who are seeking, those who are just lost loved ones, those who don't know how to come out of the muck of life, those who are dealing with addictions. What did Jesus do for Zacchaeus? Long before he even planned a trip to Jericho, he made sure that there was a sycamore fig tree planted so he had a limb to go out on. And Jesus looked up and seen him that day. He knew his name. The Father knows our names today. And he loves us. It, it should bring excitement and joy. It should bring hope to know that we're not alone. Oh, amazing. I'm going to end up with this big old heifer. She's going over, okay? This sacred cow that we're going to tip today, God helps those who can't, who cannot help themselves. That's just amazing to me. How many of us in here can help ourselves? Not any one of us. And we did play a little light on it here and there. But the fact is, the Father knows our name and He's a good, good Father. And He is looking for every one of us the provisions are in place for us to climb up on a limb and see Jesus passing our way. That's what he's doing in here just at, with Shift Church today. The Father is passing our way. We need to find whatever our crowd is and we need to run ahead, run ahead of the crowd and find that sycamore tree that he's planted for us. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for the provisions that you have in place for us. In our lives, Lord, you know us by name. We're seeking you, Father, and you're passing our way. Help us, Father, to see those who are hurting, struggling. Their lives are in decay, and they're looking for excitement and joy. And you're wanting to bring salvation to their home. 
Help us, Father, to see those people. And through your spirit, we can call them by name. Father, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Been blessed by Joe. Clap your hands. Uh, hey, uh, the one thing that kind of stuck out to me is just the idea that God has gone before us. You know, just like for Zacchaeus, he planted that tree years in advance, knowing that Zacchaeus had to go out there to see him. He, and like us, he set things up for us beforehand so that we can come to know him. But he's also, this is a joy that I found, you know, sometimes in our mission, we have some fear of what if I get there and I don't know what to do? What if I go talk to that person and I don't know what to say? And this is what this is what gives me hope is that he's already planted a sycamore tree for you to climb out on. He's already he's already been there. He's gone before us. And so, um, as you as you leave today, make sure you tell Joe, um, hey, I appreciate you. And uh, I guess I'll see you next week. Let's pray, and then we'll get rolling. But God, I want to thank you so much for allowing us the opportunity to come here this morning and worship you. And thank you for the sycamore trees that you've placed in our lives. Those little markers to where we know that you are there, that you've gone before us. And God, I just pray that I pray that as we as we leave here, that we that we even just remember, go back and remember all the things that you set up in place for us to see you work and to see you move. And God, we just pray that you continue to do that. And we pray that you do it again. I pray all this in your name. Amen.